Hi, I am the Apostle Paul for the next 30 minutes at least. And I've been asked to speak to you today and to share some wisdom that I've gained about the mission that we all share to spread the good news about Jesus and the love of God throughout the whole world. I'd like to do it by telling you a story from my time as an apostle on the front lines of that mission. This part of the story started with a conflict, actually, a bitter dispute. You probably heard about it because it led to the first and most famous church council, the Council of Jerusalem, as it was called. You can read about it in the 15th chapter of the book of Acts. And it began with some of my fellow Jews coming down from the area of Jerusalem to the city of Antioch, a couple hundred miles to the north. Antioch was my home base at the time. It was a large, it is a large cosmopolitan city where we were a community of followers of Jesus who were diverse. We were an ethnic mix of Jews and other folk from all over the Roman Empire. God had brought us together and formed us into a, a common people, a new community in which God resided and was at work through his Holy Spirit. I had already by that time been sent out from this community along with Barnabas. We had gone to share the good news about Jesus around the Roman Empire to tell both Jews and non-Jews, Greeks, Romans, native Asian peoples, that God was inviting them all into his new kingdom through Jesus Christ. They were invited in by grace as a free gift by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And they could come as they were, as Greeks and Romans and Phrygians and Cyprians and Jews and others as well. I had seen God welcome in all kinds of, of people, radically changing their lives, filling them, embracing them with his own Holy Spirit. But now some of my fellow Jews from the vicinity of Jerusalem had gone down to Antioch and were calling all that God had done into question. They were saying, no, this is not God's work. This is not good. This is not right. The Jews are God's people, God's only people. If these others, these Romans, these Greeks, these Gentiles, if they want to become a part of us, if they want to share in the salvation that God has brought to us Jews through our Messiah, Jesus then let these other people become Jews. That's what needs to happen. These people who had come down from the area of Jerusalem to Antioch were saying, these other people, these Gentiles, if they want to join us, let them turn from their sins. Let them wash away their uncleanness. They must be circumcised the covenant mark of being Jewish. They must keep the law of Moses, the covenant that God formed with his people. They must wash like Jews and eat like Jews and look like Jews and become Jews. Well, Barnabas and I were livid. To say the least, we entered into sharp debate and disagreement with them. Absolutely not. Force Gentiles, non-Jews, to become Jews in order to be saved? No, these people were already saved. So the other leaders in Antioch were wise. They, 
they sent us up to Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas and I, to talk to the leaders there about this, to talk to the apostles, to talk to the elders, those who had known Jesus personally and had founded this growing Jesus movement that we were all a part of. And in Jerusalem, those leaders agreed with us, more or less. I'll spare you all the details. You probably know them already. But this council in Jerusalem took time to carefully reflect on this, to discuss this matter, to hammer it out, to consider the scriptures, to consider what God had done and how God had led through me and Barnabas and through Peter as well, how God had saved the Gentiles and given them his own spirit while they were still Gentiles. None of them had had to become Jews. To think that now they would have to become Jews to get what they already had, what God had already given them by grace, it was preposterous. And the council saw it that way. So they sent a letter with Silas and a few others to make this clear. So these troublemakers who wanted to force Gentiles to become Jews could be corrected and so that they could be overruled through this letter. I'm so glad that I stood up against them and that Barnabas stood with me. You see, everything was at stake here. If only Jews could follow Jesus, if Greeks and Romans and others had to become Jews to be saved, then our whole mission to the Gentiles all over the world would be in vain. Because few Gentiles wanted to become Jews. Jewishness would become the issue if they had to. But in fact, it's only Jesus that's the issue. That's the only issue. Is Jesus the Lord? Is Jesus the Savior? And will we trust him? And will we follow him? That's the only thing that matters. You see, let me be honest. While my opponents hid behind their love for the law of Moses, their desire for holiness and for faithfulness to God's law, what was really also going on was their fear and their dislike for those other people. Those others who are not like us. You know, those people. With all of that's wrong with them, with their immorality, with their inferiority, We don't want them to be a part of us. That was what was going on. Let them become like us. Let them change to be like us if they want to join us. That's what the real issue was. All dressed up in religious garb like discrimination so often is. Well, let me move on. There's more to the story I want to tell you today. So we had worked through a huge conflict. The Jerusalem Council had agreed We had sent a letter setting the record straight to Antioch, protecting the gospel, protecting the mission, God's mission to the Gentiles. And so I stayed there with Barnabas a long time in Antioch, teaching the believers and proclaiming the good news about Jesus in that city. People think of me as a traveler, a restless on-the-go kind of pioneer, and I do have that side to me, but they sometimes overlook All those times I stayed put for a long time, investing in relationships. Because discipling people and raising up leaders, strengthening communities, it it takes time. It's not exciting work. Maybe that's why nobody writes much about it. 
but it needs to be done and I spend plenty of time doing it. But eventually my concern and my love for those elsewhere was more and more on my heart. Those in Cyprus and Pisidian Antioch and Lystra and Derby and Iconium. So I said to Barnabas, Barnabas, let's go visit them again. Let's see how they're doing. And Barnabas agreed, great. But then he had to bring John Mark into it. John Mark, that young man who had deserted us before. That young man who had proved unfaithful and untrustworthy. Barnabas wanted to bring him along. I couldn't believe it. Hadn't he learned the first time? Was he going to put us through the, all that heartache all over again? John Mark couldn't be trusted. I wasn't going to go through that again. So I said, no, absolutely not. But Barnabas dug in his heels. He said lots of plenty or pretty words about forgiveness and second chances, about giving people room to grow. Fine, let John Mark grow, but not on the front lines of the battle, not when our lives are at risk. Barnabas and I were, were both furious about this. And so we parted ways. Barnabas went off taking John Mark with him to his home island of Cyprus, probably mumbling as he went about all that he'd done for me and how he believed in me when no one else had, giving me second chances. But this was different, obviously, this time. Well, so what did I do? I wasn't going to let this conflict get in the way of God's mission, so I simply found a new partner. I chose Silas, a faithful leader from the church in Jerusalem, a brother with strong prophetic gifts. I had seen Silas in action. I had seen all he did to encourage and strengthen the believers. So I took him with me. Barnabas had taken the sea route south to Cyprus. So I went the opposite direction, north by land. First to my home region of Cilicia and to Syria, and then on through the Cilician gates that pass up into the Taurus Mountains, back up to Derby and Lystra. Oh, how good it was to be reunited with those I hadn't seen now for several years. I was thrilled to see them continuing to faithfully follow Jesus, to grow in their knowledge of Jesus. I marveled at their growth, how they had changed, how as a community they were learning to love one another, how they were growing in character and maturity, how they were faithfully and fruitfully reaching out to their neighbors. In fact, here's one of the moments that most encouraged me. In Lystra, I met a young man named Timothy, a wonderfully mature leader for his young age. Everyone around spoke highly of him. Timothy loved Jesus. Timothy was faithfully committed to Jesus. To think that when I first came to Lystra, there was not a single follower of Jesus there. I had made a feeble attempt to help the pagan Lystrans turn from their worthless worship of Zeus and Hermes to the living God. It hadn't gone well. They, they hadn't really understood me. I hadn't really understood them. In fact, in the process, I'd been stoned there, but I'd survived, and a few had believed. And now to come back several years later to the same city and to find Timothy as a growing, maturing fruit of those early efforts to plant a few seeds. 
I marveled at what God had done while I'd been gone. I was humbled by what God accomplished without me, by the power of God's own word and his own Holy Spirit. Well, I wanted to take Timothy along. Boy, he could be useful to us on our mission. And he had real potential. I wanted to invest in him, to train him. And over time, he indeed grew to become a real son to me. Well, Timothy was a mixed breed. He was Jewish by his mother, who was Jewish, and he was Greek by his father, a Greek. That was great. Timothy would be able to relate to both kinds of people. But Timothy had never been circumcised. And this could be a real problem for our mission. You see, we always went to the synagogue first to win a hearing among the Jewish people, my fellow people. After all, they deserve to hear about their Messiah first. They were God's chosen people, and Jesus was first of all their Messiah. But I knew they would balk at Silas and me fraternizing with Timothy, an uncircumcised one. How could I claim to be a faithful Jew? How could I say I cared about God's word and God's commands, they would ask, if I hadn't even had Timothy circumcised? That would be proof of my lawlessness, of my unrighteous disregard for God's law, something I was already being accused of. This was a difficult situation, this matter of Timothy. What to do? On the one hand, I knew circumcision was nothing. For Gentiles, at least, it mattered not. In fact, it was a stumbling block. It was an impediment to the gospel and to our mission to the whole wide Gentile world. That's what we'd fought for at the Jerusalem Council, and we'd won. But on the other hand, Timothy was a Jew or would be perceived as a Jew. His mother was Jewish. He wasn't really a Gentile. And yet he was uncircumcised like a Gentile. This would cause no end of problems among the Jews that we would visit. So I decided to have Timothy circumcised. It might appear I was being inconsistent to some, arguing that the Gentiles need not be circumcised, that circumcision didn't matter, that it wasn't necessary, and then turning around and circumcising Timothy. But it was for Gentiles that circumcision and the law of Moses didn't matter. For Jews, it was a different situation, and Timothy was also a Jew. I did not want to make him a stumbling block to my fellow Jews, so let him be circumcised to solve this problem. I wasn't being inconsistent. Let the Jews continue to keep the law of Moses and continue to be circumcised. I was supportive of that. Whatever was best for the mission and for the gospel. To the Jews, be like a Jew. To the Gentiles, be like a Gentile. All to win more to Jesus. That's what matters. I hope you can understand my reasoning and and learn from it yourselves. It's sound and it's consistent, although not everyone could see it. It's the mission that comes first and the gospel. On other matters, I could be flexible. I could accommodate on second issues or secondary issues for the sake of the gospel mission. Religion, religious secondaries had to find their place as second. Let the Jews continue to be faithful to the law of Moses since it was so important to them. There was no harm in that. And with them, I would be faithful to the law too, so as not to offend the Jews. After all, the law is wonderful. It's good. 
It's a wonderful way to honor God. But when I'm out in Gentile territory, among the pagan world, I don't need to follow the law and all the barriers that it sets up, all the ways that it's a stumbling block and an obstacle to the gospel and to the mission to invite the whole world to follow Jesus Christ. So when with the Gentiles, I put aside the law so it doesn't get in the way. Can you see my consistency? In all things, in every way, it's to do what's best to spread the message of Jesus Christ. That salvation and life is found through faith in him. I hope that you'll see and that you'll take that to heart and that you'll make it your approach as well. Put the gospel first. Be flexible on religious traditions and laws and scruples. Do what it takes to gain a hearing for the gospel with all types of people. And so Timothy was circumcised. And then he and Silas and I visited Iconium and Pisidian Antioch, strengthening these communities too, these kingdom outposts of Jesus, our Lord. We shared the decision the Jerusalem church had reached that Gentiles did not need to be circumcised or keep the law of Moses, lest any more troublemakers come along and claim that the Gentiles needed to become circumcised and become Jews in those cities. Absolutely not. We were agreed on that. Greeks could stay Greeks. Romans could stay Romans and let the Jews stay Jews. In all their diversity, their beautiful diversity, followers of Jesus, it was not Jewishness that bound them together, but Jesus Christ himself and faith in his name. Well, then we went on, Silas, Timothy, and me, from Iconium and Antioch to new cities and told them about Jesus as well. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew daily in numbers. Forgive me, I've gone on and on about me. It's not really about me. It's about what God was doing through me, yes, but also sometimes despite me. Through my conflict, my arguing with those who were insisting that the Gentiles be circumcised, they were clearly wrong. And despite my conflict, my arguing with Barnabas, who I think was wrong too, but only God knows for sure. But despite it all, God was bigger than all that. And his kingdom continues to grow as more and more people in more and more places come to follow Jesus Christ, God's King, God's Savior to the whole world. So in conclusion, what's my point in telling you all of this? I guess it's three things. First, conflicts. Conflicts are going to happen. They happen to all of us because we're all so different. We have different perspectives, different expectations, different priorities. Work hard to resolve them, but don't let them become bigger than the mission God has given us. Don't let conflicts damage or derail the mission. Second, beware of the attitude that distinguishes between us and them, between our people and those people. From God's perspective, all people are his people. And he's invited all of them into his family through Jesus Christ. 
And they don't have to become like you to belong. They don't have to talk like you talk. They don't have to dress like you dress. They don't have to think like you think. They don't have to value the ministries you value or love the songs that you love to sing. They can be themselves. They can come as they are. Sure, they need to grow and change, but God's mostly concerned with conforming their character to Christ's, not their culture to your culture. They're not supposed to become like you. They're supposed to become like Christ. Gentiles don't have to become Jews to be saved. Gentiles can stay Gentiles. Hipsters can stay hipsters. Bikers can stay bikers. Vegans can stay vegans and emos can stay emo. Blacks can stay black. Asians can stay Asian. Latinos can stay Latino and Latina. They're not those people. They're God's people. And if they're Christ's people, then they're our people. Then third, finally, learn when to accommodate for the sake of the gospel and the gospel mission. Learn when to flex. Learn when the gospel is bigger than your religious scruples. If you really put the gospel first and God's mission first, there are some sacred cows that you're going to have to let go off to pasture. Do you understand how fundamental circumcision was to my people? To our sense of faithfulness to God, to, to our sense of what it means to be a godly person. And yet I had to learn to lay it down for the sake of the gospel. And then with Timothy, I had to learn all over again to pick it back up for the sake of the same gospel. I had to learn that even something as fundamental as circumcision was not the sun that everything rotates around. No, circumcision, like everything else, had to rotate around Jesus Christ and our mission to invite the whole world to follow him through the good news, the gospel. So I could flex. Circumcision was secondary to the mission. I wonder what you might hold dear and non-negotiable, which might also actually be secondary and might need to flex for the sake of your witness in the world today. Figuring it out won't be easy. It took us a whole church council in the city of Jerusalem for us to figure it out. It'll be tough for you as well. But put the gospel first. Put the mission first of inviting everyone in to follow Jesus. And that will stand you in good stead as you figure it out together. And so as we end our time together, be encouraged. God's mission is bigger than all of us. God is bigger than all of us. And God has a plan. God is in charge. God is at work. Just like I left a small, vulnerable band of freshly planted new believers in Lystra, only to come back a few years later and find a golden apple like Timothy, ripe and ready to pluck from the tree. Growing up all by itself, by the power of God's word and God's spirit. So don't forget, God is at work and his kingdom will prevail in the end.